Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the last Sunday of 2024. You guys have made it. 2023. You guys are dismissed. I'm just but you guys look beautiful. You guys look good. If you can tell, I look a little good this morning. Um, if you're used to seeing me on a Sunday, I uh, normally am ribbed jeans and a sweatshirt, so I cannot tell you how great my, my grandma just went. <laughs> I cannot tell you how, how happy she is that I've dressed up this morning. The first time I taught, I had holes in my jeans, and she was like, no, are you really going to preach with holes in your jeans? Like, and I was like, I sure am, and she was like, well, okay, but we've made it. <laughs> so as I was thinking of stuff to talk about this morning, I had a lot going through my head and through my mind of just what I could unpack today. But I wanted to talk about something that I've personally struggled with this year, and that is the topic of arriving. Throughout my life, throughout the time that I've been alive, I feel like that I'm waiting to be used by God. I feel like I'm waiting to step into everything that God has allowed me to be. But sometimes in the waiting and waiting to arrive, we get stagnant. We forget that in the meantime, we have to take steps to further our lives. So today I'm tying this, the elimination of arrival. And if you're like me, arriving is one of the greatest feelings in the world. A couple years ago, me and my uh, buddies went to Myrtle Beach, and we had two cars. I drove one, and uh, my best friend drove the other one. And we left at the same time. And for some reason, something inside me had to beat him. I had to arrive at the beach first. And so much so that he actually trailed ahead of me, and I was like, hey, we should probably pull over for lunch. You know, we should probably get lunch. So I hurry up and got back in the car, and I beat him to our destination by 15 minutes. And when I, when I got there, like, I had that feeling of just like, fellas, did you see that? That's how you drive. Like, that, like, I drove us here perfectly. We're here. And I even let my buddy drive for one hour. For one, this is not really part of anything, but I think it's kind of funny. I let my buddy drive for one hour. And so I fell asleep, and I wake up. And a little backstory, my buddy has had like four, four or five car accidents, several speeding tickets, but he's the only one who, would, who wanted to drive. And I, I, was, I was just laying in the back, and I could feel how fast we were going. And I get up, and he's going like 110 miles an hour. And I was like, pull over, get out of the car, we're done, I'm driving the rest of the way, we're, you're, you're done. But when you arrive to the beach, and you get, the, I'm a beach guy, you get that feeling of just like, ah, you can smell the fresh air, the salt in the water, and you're just like, man, I've arrived here, I'm ready, get my speedo out, we're ready to go. But I feel like <laughs> my girlfriend just went, I'm just kidding. I don't have one. I don't have one. But I feel like in life, it's become my mission to arrive early. It's become my mission. I feel like all I've done is I want to graduate early. I want to get my degree early. I want to make money early. And I want to retire before everybody else does. So then when I'm 45, I can go, ah, I've arrived at life. And all of you are laughing is because you realize that that's not ever going to happen. We may have temporary moments of arrival, but the more I talk with people, I love sitting down with people and just saying, hey, when you were my age, was something you, you would have told yourself? And the more and more I talk to people, the more I realize that that feeling never actually comes. And when it does come, it is the most temporary feeling in the world because we live in a comparative society. 
We look at somebody and we say, oh, man, if I had that type of money, if I had that house, if my wife looked like that, man, I would, be, I would arrive at everything I wanted to be. But it's never going to happen. What if you get that paycheck? You're like, oh, man, this is nice. But then a year goes by and you're like, man, there's that position open. I could have even more money. So this, what is this, what is it with this arrival feeling? And today, I didn't want this to be another New Year's sermon where do these three things and 2024 is going to be your year. It's going to be the best year you could ever have. Just do these three things and you're good to go. Because to be honest, some of you in this room are about to jump into one of the worst years. Some of you guys are going to go through things in 2024 that you're not ready for. Some of you are coming out of a year that was your worst year, but some of you are about to jump into the best year you've ever had. And I want to provide us a message and tools that you can have that no matter if you have the worst year of your life or the best year of your life, you can eliminate arrival and join contentment. You can be pleased and happy with where you are because of who God is. So I want to pray and we'll jump into what God has for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for you. God, we're thankful that we've made it this far. We've made it through 2023 and getting ready to go into 2024. And God, I pray that you just speak through me. God, that this wouldn't be about us. Because God, without you, this is nothing. God, allow us to open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us this morning. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Well, today, if you want to turn your Bibles or your phone to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, this was right when Jesus told his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to die. But to prove to humanity that Jesus is everything that he said he was going to be, he'll rise from the dead, he will not be in his grave anymore, and he will be the Son of God. And like any good friend, Peter steps up and he's like, actually, maybe we shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Maybe you shouldn't go to the place where you know you're going to die. And that's when Jesus' famous words to Peter were, get behind me, Satan. And if Jesus says, a, says something like that, I think it's very important what he says next. And this is what he says in verse 24. It says, that Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming to his kingdom. And first, I want to focus on that first part where it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So Jesus is specifically saying, to be my follower, to follow my way, you are now forfeiting your own way. You are now forfeiting the rights that you have. Your way is no longer the best way. My way is the best way. And I think as a church in this American society, we've done, honestly, a poor job of presenting this. We've, we've started to say, well, if you believe it, if it's your truth, then it's fine. 
If it's what makes you feel good, I can't really say anything about it. If those lustful desires take you depart from God, as long as it's your truth, you're fine. And I'm here to tell you that's not what the scripture is saying. It is so specifically saying you must give up your own way. And I think so many of us are waiting to arrive and we're like, man, God, I'm going to church and I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be, but why am I not arriving? And it's because so many of us are still holding on to the way that we have, to our dreams, to our desires, to our relationships. When Jesus is saying, hey, in order to arrive, in order to be everything I'm calling you to be, you must give up that way. And inherently, wanting money, wanting a big house, wanting a nice car, that stuff's not bad. Inherently, that stuff's not bad. But when it becomes the focus, when it becomes our way of life, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes what we're searching after instead of what we're searching after is Jesus. And the next part of that says, you must take up your cross and follow me. I need to be reminded of this so many times this year that it was never Jesus' cross that he was crucified on. Jesus did not die on his cross. He died for my cross. And I had to come to the realization this year, for really honestly the first time, that there is a part of my heart, there's a part of my soul that the king of everything, the king of the universe, this God who created everything, looked at my soul and said, man, that thing's disgusting. I'm going to have to go and send myself in the form of a son to die for him. And I think some of us in here need that reminder that there's a part of us, there's a part of our heart and our soul that Jesus had to die for. And we must pick up our cross to follow him because he didn't deserve that. We did. So we have to pick it up and follow him every day. And I love this next part, verse 25. <clears throat> it says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I met this gentleman um, where we pass out food on Friday nights. And he was walking down the road, and I was like, hey, man, come on over. We have some food. We have some clothes if you need it. And so he comes over, and you could tell that he was a drug addict. He was just very, very fidgety, was just kind of all over the place. And we just started talking, and I was like, and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just having a rough day. And I was like, well, what's going on? And he's like, I just OD'd 10 minutes ago, and I got Narcan back to life. And when I heard that, that's the first time we'd met somebody in that actual dire situation. And we could see so clearly how bad he wanted help. He was telling us he just OD'd last week, was in another detox place, but he just can't kick it. But at the same time, the very thing that was killing him, the very thing, the very desire that he wanted was killing him, and he craved it so bad. And it broke my heart to see just this young guy want to get help but didn't know the steps he could take to get help. And through 30 minutes of talking with him, going back and forth, he finally, we were able to get him picked up and taken to the hospital. But the reason I share this is because everybody's holding on to something. It may be drugs, it may be alcohol, it may be pornography, it may be things that are actually physical. But some of us are holding on to regret. Some of us are hanging on to hatred. Some of us are hanging on to lust. Some of us are hanging on to things that are driving us away from God and away from everything he wants us to be. 
And Jesus is talking about physical life here. When he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. That's the physical life he's talking about. And if we try to accumulate things of this physical world, if we try to go through our life holding on to things, that's when we lose it. And I can promise you that you will never find true contentment with your life until you surrender everything to Christ. Until you surrender your life, until you surrender everything to him, you'll never find the freedom. You'll never find the contentment or the everlasting contentment until that moment. In verse 26, it says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The soul is that part of your, your mind, your character, your feelings, your thoughts. And when, the devil, and when the devil tempts you, he's trying to get after your soul. Even Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, I believe. The devil said, hey, I'll give you everything. You see all these na-? He was up on a uh, mountain. He says, I'll give you all these nations. Everything you can see is yours. Just deny Christ, and it's all yours. So what is it that about our soul that the devil is craving? All these physical things, all the things of the world that we could have. But we aren't a church that's waiting for the physical things to arrive to go out to the nations. We can't wait for the money to be here. We can't wait for uh, enough volunteers to be here. We need to stand boldly on where we're at in our lives and say, no, we're going to go out. We're not going to wait for God to place everything in our lap. We're going to go out and be, the, and be the disciples of the people that need it. We can't wait. We need to be content with where we're at. And that's one of the biggest things I've struggled with. I, be, I kind of hold myself to such a high standard that no matter what, I'm never where I can be. Even if I'm in a good spot, I mean, I can be better. And if I spent more time trying to focus on God and focus on that more than trying to build up my own self, where I, I don't know where I would be. But we need to be content with where we're at. Have you guys heard of the red car theory? How many red cars did you pass on the way here? Nobody really knows. What if I told you, if you can tell me the exact number of cars, red, red cars you passed, on, on the way back home, I'll give you a million dollars. Well, of course, everybody's going to know how many red cars they pass. What if it's the same thing with God? What if on the way here, what if on this journey through life up to this point, God has placed so many things in your life? God has placed all these red cars, all these dreams, all these ambitions, all these paths that you could follow, but we missed it because we were so focused on our destination. We were so focused on where we're going in my own way I want to go there that we missed what we could have had. Instead of feeling like we need to do more, we let God provide. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So remember that he becomes more, I become less. I think it's important to remember that God always provides what you need. When God calls you to do something, when you're on your way, he doesn't send you in your strength because your strength will fail. Your strength will get you very far. Some of you are exhausted with life because we're doing it in your own strength. And I loved um, a couple weekends ago, 
uh, Pastor Mark's sermon was talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And it's such a remarkable story about how Jesus takes, you know, five loaves of bread and he multiplies it to 5,000. But it's not even just 5,000. It says all of them ate more than they needed. There was plenty left over. I think that's what's so beautiful about God is that when he sends you out, he's going to do in his strength so that the things you give to people, it's going to be in excess. And this year I've been intentional about my prayers. I've been getting to pray that God can do anything that I ask him to. And I met this gentleman named Fred Reeser. Um, He runs the Jordan Reeser Foundation in um, the Hilltop area. And I met with him, and I told him my idea of what I wanted to to do with this homeless ministry. And he was just sitting there just listening, and he goes, do you have a truck? And I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, you should pray for that. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) And he's like, do you have a building to kind of run this out of? And I was like, no. He's like, yeah, you should probably pray about that. He's like, do you guys have food, any sort of resources? No, we don't. I was like, this is just a, we just thought of this. We're just coming to you to see what you think. He's like, yeah, you need to pray about that. I was just like, this dude is kind of dumb. Like, he really thinks, like, if I just send up a prayer, this truck's going to roll into my life tomorrow, and I'm going to be good to go. And I got a building, and I was just kind of like, all right, dude, this is, all right, whatever. (laughs) So I began to pray. And then all of a sudden, Fred says, all right, all the food, clothes, toiletries you need, I'm giving you. I'm going to provide it for the next year. It, like, any, any, anything you need, call me. It's yours. It's like, all right. Well, there's one down. <laughs> and then he goes, you know what? It's kind of crazy you're here because I have this building. And he's like, there's a church, but there's a parsonage on the back that they don't use. If I ask them, I'm pretty sure they'll just let you use it. I was like, who are you? Like, are you like... <laughs> So I meet with this guy, this pastor of this church, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, whatever you want to do with the building, here's the keys, gave me, gave me a key to the church, gave me a key to the building, you can store everything you want here, clothes, food, whatever you want, it's yours. It's like, all right, well, that's two things down. So we started doing it. Every Friday night, we go out there in the hilltop, serving food to these homeless people. We're going to homeless camps. And then I get a text, well, we, we, we sent out something on Facebook that I need a truck. I need to somehow get some of these supplies to these camps because it's cold. They need propane. They need beds. And I get a text last week from this lady saying, hey, I was homeless. I was on drugs. I've been to treatment. Um, and I hear you need a truck. And she's like, I have an, I have an SUV. It's pretty big. Um, I believe what you're doing. It's yours if you want it. And I was just like, I, it's been like... I don't even, like, I still can't even, like, fathom it just because of how crazy it is that this lady just hears about us on Facebook, and she goes, hey, I believe in what you're doing. This truck's, it needs a little bit of work, but you, if you want it, it's yours. There isn't anything magical or mysterious about what we're doing. I'm not qualified to run a homeless ministry. I've never been homeless. I've never been a hard drug addict. There's nothing saying that I should be the one to do this. But I was tired of sitting around and waiting for God to use me. So I said, God, you know what? There's people out there who need food, who need shelter, who need warmth. I'll take it to them. I'm your guy. And I'm not doing this to boast myself up because I'm, I'll tell you, I'm the worst person here with sin. I struggle with everything. But I have 
decided that we're not going to sit around anymore. If you want to come on Friday nights, we're not going to sit there. We're going to go. We're going to go to homeless camps. We're going to help people get treatment. We don't have to wait and step back for God to use us. If we take the steps that we know God's calling us to do, he will bless it. He will multiply it. So I've hammered about arriving in contentment and surrendering. So so where do we go from here? Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, questioned Jesus. Jesus was like, hey, you guys just need to follow the way. You guys will know where to go. And Jesus, or, and Thomas was like, actually, we don't know where to go. We don't know who to follow. We're trying to follow you, but now you're saying you're going to leave us. So where do we go from here? In Jesus' response in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So when we fully surrender ourselves when we let go of our way, when we're picking up our cross and we're following Jesus, we follow his way. When we surrender everything, we need to open the Bible. <laughs> we need to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at the way Jesus lived. He gave us a clear example of how to walk. And there was no mistake. I kind of debated with um, this Muslim, one of my Muslim friends, who practices Islam, and he was saying, well, Jesus isn't actually saying he's the way. He's saying God's the way. I was like, no, there was no separate. There was no, like, he said I'm the way. There was no indication that he was talking about God because they crucified him on a cross. He wasn't saying God's the way. He's saying I'm the way. So if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to arrive, if we want to be content, we need to follow the way of Jesus Christ. Open the Bible, read the four Gospels, and follow everything he's calling you to do. There's no way around it. There's no evidence that says that the Bible is not everything it says it is. There's tons of evidence that says Jesus Christ is God. So we need to give up our own ways and follow him. I don't know if you're like me, but this year kind of exhausted me. I'm tired of seeing wars (laughs) overseas. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing mass shootings. I'm tired of seeing homeless people come up to me, drug addicted, wanting help, but can't get the help. I'm tired and I'm frustrated. And I'm not interested with what this Western success world has for me. I'm not interested. And the promotion of self-truth and self-faith and success and money, it's exhausting. But I'm here to tell you that there's so much more to life. I want to know the only man that took on death and predicted his resurrection and pulled it off. That's who I'm chasing after. I don't want the ways of this world. I don't want sin. I want to be content with who I am and where I'm at with Jesus Christ. And that is so tangible to us today. If you are struggling, if you are in this room saying, I don't know where to go, I don't know what I'm doing, I need Jesus. There's no better time to come to life than right now. There's no better time to give up the ways of this world than right now. So I want to invite you in this moment 
to be honest with yourselves, to look at your life and say, God, I'm broken and I'm shattered and I've lost my way, but I'm, go but I'm going to accept your way today. I'm giving up my rights. I'm giving up my life. Teach me to be content with who you are. Teach me to love like you do. And if you want to accept that today, we're going to sing a song called It Is Well. It just talks about just everything that comes, everything that goes. It's well with my soul. As long as I have my creator, as long as I have God, bring on what the world has. Because it is well with my soul. Be honest with yourself in this moment. If you need Jesus, ask him. There's no better time to come to life than right now. Let's pray. God, we're broken. We live in a broken world where there's sin, there's disease, there's war. God, I don't want to wait to arrive at everything you've called me to be. I want you to come into my life right now. God, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of chasing what the world has to offer. I want you and you only. Teach my heart to love like you. Teach my heart to be content with you. God, and show me the way that is yourself. God, we're so thankful for the cross that you bore for me. God, while I was still a sinner, you died for me so that I can live in everything you've called me to be. God, help us to eliminate a rival today. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.